Let me tell you, enough gnarly stuff happens in this sport to fighters inside the cage. Yeah, you get broken bones, twisted ankles, uh, swelling. But what if I told you some fighters have almost had their careers taken away from them with stuff that happened without stepping foot inside of one? Yeah, funny enough, pushing your body to the limit has, well, it's the limits, but there's also a whole host of medical conditions and issues that have gotten in the way of fighters being able to compete and in some cases, well, barely stay alive. And we're not talking about injuries sustained in a fight. We're talking about near career ending medical issues today because, yeah, there are many fighters that have had medical issues and had to stop completely and there are other fighters like Dominic Cruz who never once mentioned quitting despite his numerous setbacks. Regardless though when things look like they might be over these fighters battled through and continued fighting anyway well because they just don't care. I'm Balian from MMA On Point and this is 10 serious medical issues that almost ended UFC careers. Number 10, Jim Miller, Lyme disease. The New Jersey native started his UFC career back in 2008, and by 2015, he'd gone 12 and 4 in the promotion. Not bad at all, but at the same time that year, started feeling like shit. He started having joint pain, fatigue. He spoke to a neuropathologist, but probably figured it was from an old neck injury he'd sustained the year before. No, I didn't get an MRI. <laughs> but there was something else going on entirely that Jim didn't know about and figured, well, I'm a fighter, aren't I? Everything you would get being a professional fighter for 10 years, basically the symptoms of Lyme disease. Things started getting worse. He was having brain fog and generally forgetting what he was doing in the middle of simple tasks he was pretty certain retirement was on the table it got it got so bad that i was like i was contemplating retirement at ufc 200 his joints continued to swell he even got to the point where his eye would start twitching uncontrollably he even started losing control of his speech i would say the wrong word while i was speaking mm. and not even anything close like just the complete wrong word would come out but during his pre-fight physical exam for UFC 196, the doctor stopped him and explained, I think you might have Lyme disease. The doctor put him on doxycycline and within a week or so, I started feeling way fucking better. He thought it was something that had only just happened recently, but after learning about the early symptoms, he realized in 2013, he must have been bitten by a tick that transferred the necessary bacteria to cause the disease. Pretty much guaranteed I was probably bit in like late May or June of 2013. Basically, he had left it for about three years going untreated, which, yeah, isn't advisable. Getting over Lyme is especially, like, like untreated for a while is a marathon. It's taken him a long time to get to the point where he's been able to successfully manage his disease, but thankfully, he's still fighting and, well, winning as well. Number nine, Hamzat Jemayev, COVID. Well, I'm sure most of you are already aware that Hamzat, along with a quite a few other UFC athletes, caught COVID during the pandemic. Hamzat contracted it while in Sweden, recovered somewhat, but continued to try and train regardless, which isn't a very good idea, and he ended up in hospital several times. Sometimes we call ambulance, like, <laughs> they come also to the gym, may help me. Yeah, it got to the point where his manager was pretty concerned for his life. I mean, when he spoke to Hamzat on the phone in hospital, he genuinely thought he was going to die. When his condition wasn't getting any better, he was flown to Las Vegas to receive extra treatment and to hopefully get back to fighting. I stopped uh, training and come to the USA. He took the treatment, which involved a lot of pills in a language he didn't really understand and was told to rest and take it easy. He did not do that. Instead, he jumped in for a round of sparring. Yeah, the animal inside of him, a wolf presumably, didn't want to stop training. This was a very bad idea. It wasn't long before he was back in his room and began coughing up blood. Hamzat didn't really know what was going on. He was still sick and he didn't know if his body would ever recover, so he retired. He flew home to Chechnya where he received treatment and they really realized he had fibrosis as a result of COVID. He finally took it easy, reversed his retirement, and eventually recovered. But it was touch and go there for a while. Number eight, Stefan Struve, heart condition. 
Mr. Struve is a big man. Now, statistically, the Dutch have the tallest people on average of any country on Earth, so it makes sense that they'd have the tallest UFC fighter, wouldn't it? And there he stands at seven foot. Now, the last thing you need with a body that size is something like a heart condition, but after Struve lost to Mark Hunt, he received a diagnosis that would change his life and career. He was told he had an enlarged heart as well as a leaking aortic valve, which basically meant he had only two aortic leaflets instead of three, and that his heart was only operating at about 60%. The valve between the left chamber and the aorta, uh, um, that's like a Mercedes sign, like three leaflets. Uh, I got two. Yeah, not the best thing for an MMA fighter. He went on medication immediately, and by April of the next year, his manager, Lex McMahon, gave an update on the MMA hour saying he'd been cleared by the doctors of the Netherlands to fight again. Yay! He was booked for a fight at UFC 175 16 months after his heart diagnosis against Matt Mitrione, but while in the dressing room on the night of the fight, he collapsed with an elevated heart rate. He told MMA fighting it was a combination of the layoff, recent medical issues, as well as the passing of his father which all culminated in a snowball of emotions that basically had him hyperventilating and eventually just blacking out. This obviously didn't look good, and as he'd only just been cleared by the doctors, it looked like he may never fight again. Struve also told MMA Fighting that the medication he was on was causing depression and generally just making him not feel very well. Luckily, one of his trainers ran into someone in the hotel lobby in Las Vegas who was also on the same heart medication and had similar symptoms. Struve stayed positive, put on new medication, and was able to return to fighting and pick up a a few more wins until his retirement in 2021. Number 7. Habib Namagamadoff. Yes, the Eagle did eventually retire in 2020, but some of you might not know that he announced another retirement back in 2015. Or, well, he nearly did. In the space of two years, he was affected by three major injuries. The first came in July 2014 when he was scheduled to fight with Donald Cerrone. Habib was just 6-0 in the UFC at this time and it would have been a good contest, but he needed surgery as he'd torn his anterior ligament and medinal meniscus. Ouchie. Apparently, it happened in Dagestan and he had to travel to Moscow for a diagnosis. His manager, Mike Constantino, told MMA Mania his recovery was going well and he wanted the surgery ASAP so he could heal as fast as possible and get back to training with his goal being the lightweight title. He was out for a good six months and the fight was rebooked for UFC 187 but once again in the lead up to the contest he re-injured the same knee and the same meniscus and the diagnosis was not good. His father Abdul Manap, rest in peace, confirmed that he needed another surgery and he would be out for another five months minimum and two of those would just be recovering. So he sat out again and watched as the last man he beat Rafael Dos Anjos, dominated Anthony Pettis and took the lightweight title title, which has to be disheartening knowing the guy you just beat is now champion. But he waited, recovered from surgery, and was booked once again to fight Tony Ferguson. But damn, I mean, yeah, as most of you know, he broke several ribs and once again was out. It was at this point he was ready to quit the sport. His only goal, the title, must have seemed pretty far out of reach, and in a social media post, he told his fans, I'm not sure I'll ever be back. That was in October 2015, and he would stay out of competition for another six months before finally returning in April. He was supposed to be against Tony Ferguson, but instead he fought a short-notice Daryl Horcher, smashed him, and, well, the rest is history. Number 6. Michael Bisping – Eye Issues so yes, Michael Bisping got head kicked by Vitor Belfort and after the fight, he found out he had a detached retina, which is bad but can be managed with some luck and the right doctors. But Bisping unfortunately didn't notice the injury until months later, or maybe he did, but knowing Bisping, he probably tried to power through. So he had surgery and had it all fixed up, but didn't exactly take it easy after that. Apparently some scar tissue had developed and it detached again. He had more surgery and was told, Mike, please take it easy, but he started having a headache more painful than you get on Mars. He went to a doctor and they tested the pressure in his eye. Yeah, it wasn't good. Turns out he developed glycoma. His eye wasn't draining properly and had been blocked, which caused a shit ton of pressure to form behind the eye. 
So this is two surgeries into his eye problems and a couple of months of extreme pain. He went home and everything was supposed to be fine, but he was still in pain. And his wife called the doctor in the middle of the night who said, what? He's still in fucking pain. He said he needs emergency surgery right now. He was rushed to the emergency room. They stuck a needle in his eyeball and the pain went away. Mike had one question though. Well, can I fight again? And the answer was, well, maybe. He woke up mid-procedure and the pain was excruciating. They put him out again and he woke up at a hotel room and overheard a nurse explain what went wrong. Yep, didn't stop him from winning a world title though. Probably going to sue those doctors as well. Number five, Sean Brady, foot infection. We all like Sean Brady, don't we? Well, if you don't like his fighting style, maybe you just like his tattoos. But most fans were pretty sad when he didn't get to see him compete against Kevin Lee in August 2021. The reason? Well, he took to social media to tell everyone, last Friday, I got a small cut on my foot in training. See, that doesn't sound too bad. Could be worse. I mean, your foot could be a balloon. Well, it turns out small cuts in MMA gyms get infected pretty easily. And before he knew it, he was rushing to hospital. Turns out a cellulitis infection spread from the cut into his ankle ligaments and swelled up like Popeye on spinach. If you don't know what that means, basically it was going gangrene, meaning it was nearly chop-chop time. He had thought he would be out of hospital the next day, but as it had spread to his tendons and joints, he needed surgery, which involved washing out the joint and removing an abscess that had formed. Thankfully, the surgery was a success. But for a moment there, it just wasn't his career that was nearly over. He pretty much thought he was never going to be able to walk again. But he recovered fully, was able to return eight months after, and is eyeing up the top of the 170 division. Number four, Brock Lesnar, diverticulitis. Did you really think an intestinal disease would stop the beast incarnate? Because, well, it nearly did, you know. Brock had been riding the high of his UFC career. He'd captured the belt and defended it against Frank Mir. So one of the most anticipated matches of all time against Shane Carwin was scheduled, but Brock had to pull out. He was suffering with mononucleosis, otherwise known as glandular fever. But just 10 days later, Dana White announced post-fight at UFC 105 that Brock was not well and would not be getting better anytime soon. Yeah, that was a freaking understatement. It turned out that he also had developed diverticulitis, which is basically an intestinal disorder and yeah, needed surgery. When they cut him open though, things were much worse. Turns out his intestines had been leaking fecal matter. Yep, sorry if you're eating your lunch. And it had been going into his abdomen, which apart from causing serious fucking pain, was forming abscesses and overtaxing his immune system. That explained the glandular fever. The surgeon estimated it had been going on for about a year. Now, normally you don't always need surgery to treat it, but yeah, Brock's case was so severe and also life-threatening that there wasn't really any other choice. His immune system had been battling so hard to combat the uh, previously mentioned leak that if he picked up another illness, well, it probably would have just killed him. After the surgery, he was clear of diverticulitis and went back to competing, but it came back in 2011 and this time he had to have a foot of his colon removed because of the damage it had done to his body. Brock admits he has a high threshold for pain, but he said it felt like I'd taken a shotgun blast to the stomach and someone poured in some salt and Tabasco and stirred it all up with a nasty pitchfork. Jesus Christ, people. The doctors also apparently said he fought for up to a year with the disease and one nasty shot to the abdomen possibly could have uh, killed him. But he didn't die and amazingly made a return to the sport where he did lose pretty badly. But honestly, I'm not surprised after all that. Number three, Jeff Neal, mysterious illness. With most fighters on this list, they know what went wrong with their bodies, and at least they have an understanding of how to prevent it from happening again. But not Jeff Neal. Oh no, he was supposed to be fighting divisional staple Neil Magny in August 2020, but it was announced he was out of the fight and Robbie Lawler stepped in as a replacement. Neil jumped on social media to explain what happened and, well, he 
couldn't. He opens with, I almost died, okay, shit, and that he was hooked up to a dialysis machine in the ICU, so yeah, you know it was bad. Apparently everything was going fine in the fight camp, he'd been training every day, he'd signed a contract for a big fight, and then boom, as he described it, life hit him with a check hook. His manager, Safe Sayud, told MMA Junkie that he complained about feeling sluggish and then his temperature shot way up. He went to multiple hospitals in Texas before he was finally sent to an ICU where he ended up spending seven days. The doctors tested the fudge out of him, but apparently they couldn't really explain what was going on. His immune system had been compromised somehow. He tested negative for COVID and thankfully the doctors got his condition under control, even if they couldn't really explain how or why it happened. Basically, yeah, he nearly died. Forget about a fighting career at that point unless you're the undertaker, I guess or Tyson Fury. After about a week, he was released and stayed at home on antibiotics. A year after his win over Mike Perry, he returned to the sport very much alive. Number two, Robert Whittaker, staff and intestinal horror. Honestly, Robert Whittaker might be the unluckiest athlete next to Dominic Cruz in his knees. He's had tons of injuries. I mean, he just pulled out of UFC 275 with another one, but that's not the only thing he's had to deal with. He's had chicken pox, stomach issues, hernias, staff, twisted bowels, and just a bunch of nasty, horrible stuff. One of the more serious issues came when he was supposed to defend his title against Luke Rockhold at UFC 221, but he pulled out with a staff infection. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad, does it? Except this staff infection apparently wasn't treated properly, and before he knew it, it had infected his stomach. Yeah, that's some scary shit. In fact, he had started to eat away at his organs. Rob took to Instagram and said he was sick as a dog and that his fighting future, well, it was pretty much up in the air. By some medical miracle, he recovered and was able to get back to fighting. Sure, can't get much worse than that, can it? Oh, no, 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 it can. At UFC 234, he successfully made weight and was supposed to fight Kelvin Gastelum, but that night after he started rehydrating, things went very, very bad. He started to get sharp pains in his stomach and thought it was food poisoning, but the pain got worse and worse. You think he would be worried about the fight being cancelled, but he said, when I was in that amount of pain, I didn't care about anything except making the pain go away. He was rushed to hospital and it turns out he had an abdominal hernia and a twisted and collapsed bowel. Shit. It basically meant he was on the verge of his intestines bursting, which would mean, well, death. Recovery time was apparently only about four weeks, but he would be out for another eight months. But fuck me, he was still alive and I think that was enough. Number one, Santiago Ponzinibbio, bacterial infections. There was a point in time where we were probably going to see old Santiago get a shot at the 170 champ. I mean, he was on a seven-fight win streak in the UFC and had looked pretty damn impressive in doing it, but then he sort of just disappeared and, well, he was pretty quiet about what was actually going on. Well, it was almost the plot to 28 days later. Everything was going okay. He was just coming off a performance of the night KO over Neil Magny, but he developed some kind of bacterial infection which spread into his blood. Yeah, that's never good. Apparently, he had two different kinds, an epidemic bacterial infection and suedomonas. Yeah, that shit looks gross, and it's typically found in soils or water. He ended up in the hospital, got treatment, and left just after eight days, but after he came home, he started losing weight and then suddenly developed a 103-degree fever, which basically put everyone on panic mode understandable. So he was rushed back to hospital where they spent 10 days trying to reduce his fever. They switched his medication, stuck him on a PICC line, which is basically a catheter. More medication and this carried on for about two months. This whole time, Santiago was just hoping he could return to fighting, but he was getting older and the situation didn't seem to be getting any better. Finally, though, after one round of medication, he was given a good bill of health. They sent him on his way and he was back to training. He went to Vegas to rehabilitate at the UFC PI, but his body just wasn't regaining his strength. He was doing physical therapy 
ate everything he could, but it was a no-go. And then he started feeling even more pain. He was told, yep, this isn't normal at all. And they took him for an MRI where, well, things got even worse. He was told he had an infection in his bones, which is super duper dangerous and serious and gave him the diagnosis that he'd probably never fight again. But fuck that, am I right? He went back to Florida and saw a bone specialist. No, not Johnny Sins, an actual rheumatologist. They gave him antibiotics, a new treatment plan and a new PT program. It had already been six months of battling against the infections. His ligaments had all swollen up. He'd lost all his muscle, but slowly and surely he started to improve. He'd gone from being one fight away from a title shot to losing 30 pounds and being told he's probably never going to fight again. He was out for two years struggling with infections, rebuilding his body with physical therapy, but when he made it back, oh, I've not been this emotional since I watched Evita. I'm Bailey from Emerald Point, and yes, we are finally here in our brand new office. Let's go check it out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to our MMA challenge of the week. Today, I'm joined by the greatest referee in the world, Mr. Mark Goddard. Would, I would punch him straight in the back of the fucking head. That's right, a brand new channel with brand new content. Welcome to Fight Front, the home of personality-driven MMA. Today, it's an MMA challenge where I take the worst-rated UFC character in UFC Undisputed 3 all the way to the heavyweight championship of the world. And I'm reacting to Colin McGregor. Make sure you scroll on down and hit subscribe because you do not want to miss all the new content coming your way on this brand new channel. And hey, it's me, Tommy Toehold, and I'm rolling around on a damn monitor. Thank you very much for watching, everyone, today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMAOnPoint and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further and i hope you've enjoyed yourselves i'll see you in the next one